Before Pastor James opens God's word for us, let us read the word from the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Agnes, for reading that um, passage for us. Keep your Bibles open there. It's great to have them in front of you as we come to Philippians. We're going to have a one-off today. Um, and next week, as you heard, we're going to have a summer of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 next Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that as we, we work our way through a couple of Psalms. But get Philippians open there in front of you. It'd be great to have it there. Um, my name's James. I'm the pastor at Two and Gabby Baptist Church. If I haven't met you, please make yourself known to me afterwards, and I'd love to chat with you and get to know you. It's, it's great to be back. It was great to be back yesterday. I've been on holidays for a couple of weeks um, camping with the family. We've had a great time. We're at Numbucker Heads. We're at Tun Curry. Um, it's great just to sit back and relax and catch fish and swim. Now, um, I've, I, we caught, we got, we got a few fish, got a few brim, got a few blackfish, and got a few flatheads. If you know what flathead are, they are a great fish to eat. And I've got a freezer with a few in it, and we ate some while we were away. So if I go away and we catch flathead and we can eat it, it's a good holiday. So I had a good holiday. But it's, it's great to be back here with, with my family, your family. It's great to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's, it's a joy to be looking towards next year as we continue to serve Jesus here at Toon Gabby. But let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And we ask now that as a year comes to an end, you will speak to us clearly. Lord, help us just to delight, to delight and give thanks to you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How are you feeling as the year closes? How are you feeling as 2021 comes to an end? It's amazing that we've got there. How are you feeling about next year? Are you feeling like, I'm just glad we are nearly at the end of it? Are you feeling like, man, I wish it would go for a bit longer? Are you making plans for next year? Are you thinking about next year and thinking, how will 2022 play out in my life? How are you feeling about it? As we get closer, this is our final Sunday in 2021. And you know what's going to happen over the next week? As you read Facebook, as you read Instagram, as you go through, Facebook, through social media, as you read the papers, guess what it's going to start to, be, um, start to talk about? It's going to start to talk about next year. It's going to start to talk about New Year's resolutions. Now, some of you in this room probably have New Year's resolutions. Others of you are probably just like me and you don't have New Year's resolutions because if you have a resolution and it doesn't come to pass, your expectations are broken. So the best thing is just don't have any New Year's resolutions because you can't break them. But we're going to hear about it, aren't we? We're going to hear about New Year's resolution this, New Year's resolution for that. Maybe for you, it's, I want to, you know, you've eaten the, the cheesecake yesterday and it's like, I need to lose 10 kilos next year. That's a New Year's resolution, isn't it? Maybe you've got a New Year's resolution that I want to have a better job or a better house. Maybe your New Year's resolution is I just want to spend more time with my kids this year. Or maybe I want to make more time for my wife or my husband. 
Maybe you've got a New Year's resolution. You're going to go out there and you're going to go out there and get your booster jab. That could be a New Year's resolution. What do you have as a New Year's resolution for next year? But, but what's really behind New Year's resolutions? It's what you want life to look like next year. We, 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 we have goals, we have aspirations. Here's a New Year's resolution for next year. Here's how I would like my life to look like. And what a great time for us as the family of God to stop and think, what would we want our lives to look like next year? And so today we're going to have three New Year's resolutions for us. And can I tell you that they are far better than losing 10 kilos? It's far better than, you know, having a better job. But these are three New Year's resolutions that actually, they actually flow out of the gospel. They're things that shape our life. How are we going to live next year in a culture that is changing so quickly? Every year it's changing so quick. How are we going to live as followers of Jesus in 2022? What are we going to work on? What are we going to think through? So as we come to the book of Philippians chapter 4, we're going to have three great New Year's resolutions for us. But it's also worth us reminding that the book of Philippians is a book about joy. It's about rejoicing. And in chapter 1 verse 27, Paul says to this church at Philippi, he says, live a life worthy of the gospel. What he's saying is walk in step with the gospel. So the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that through his life, death and resurrection, we can be made right with God. The good news is that Jesus was raised from the grave and guess where he is seated? He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is in his throne and he is over the, he is sovereign over the entire universe. That is the good news, that Jesus was promised in the Old Testament. He came and through his life, death and resurrection, he has been appointed as king. And if we are in him, we have life. That is the good news. And, and out of that, we get to chapter 4. And here is the, the outworking of what that looks like. But to set some context of Philippians, we, Philippians was probably written mid-early mid 60 AD, not quite 2,000 years ago. But can I tell you that Paul was not writing this letter from an overwater bungalow. He wasn't writing this from a five-star Ridges resort overlooking Darling Harbour. No, when Paul writes this letter, he's writing it from chains. He's in chains for Jesus. And he writes it to this church in the city of Philippi, which is a mini Rome of the day. They prided themselves on being Roman. And he writes this letter to them. And this is where we find ourselves in chapter 4. How are we going to live? What, is, what, what do we need a little bit more of next year? How are we going to live as, a, as our culture changes so quickly? How do we live as citizens of heaven? How do we live as followers of Jesus? Well, I've got three New Year's resolutions. More rejoicing. More gentleness and more prayer. What are we going to be resolved to do? Be more rejoicing more gentleness and more prayer. Have a look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. We, there's, what a great resolution to be more rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. That is a gladness of heart. That is a joyful of heart. This whole book is filled with joy, delight. I don't know about you, but as I sat there yesterday after lunch, as our boys opened their presents, 
You just sit there and you see the smile come on their face. You see the delight. This, it just overwhelms them that it shines out of them. This delight and this joy and this rejoicing just comes out of them because, wow, I got a skateboard. Wow, I got some tech decks. Wow, look what I got. And, and just, it just overflows and fills and, and it just comes out of them. And here Paul says to us, he says, rejoice. But many things rob us of joy. Many things get in the road that suck us of joy. Something didn't turn out how I wanted it this year to turn out. That can rob us of joy. Relationship difficulties and circumstances can rob us of joy. The path that you saw playing out in front of you for 2020 and 2021 did not happen. Maybe it was the path of hardships and trials and things like that can rob us of joy. But did you notice what Paul says to rejoice in? He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He doesn't say rejoice in your job. He doesn't say rejoice in, you know, the Broncos winning the premiership next year. Now it's good to celebrate that because I think it could happen. But he says rejoice in Jesus. He is the, the subject. He's the content. Rejoice in Jesus. In Jesus, he's the one, he's the most beautiful truth of the gospel. Rejoicing in him is being united to Jesus. Now, did you notice it says rejoice in? Now, here's a moment that we need to stop because there's this this is poor theology. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He constantly talks about us being in Jesus, in him. And we can overflow that and just think nothing of it. But it means we're with Jesus. It means we're in Jesus. Who Jesus is is now who we are. He says rejoice in Jesus. You're united to Jesus if you're a follower of him. This time, a couple of years ago, we were in our car driving from Forbes to Sydney. My wife had a bags packed. We were driving her to Sydney because she was going to go to, go to Europe for three weeks, go through Europe. She was going to a friend's wedding and I gave her permission. I said, yeah, you go off. You go and have a good time and go to a wedding in Europe, in, in Ireland. And so we're heading to the airport. And then to, to the next day after Boxing Day, we go to the airport. We do a bit of fishing as we wait. And then we drop her off at the international airport. We walk her in. We walk as far as we can and we hug, kiss, and we send her on away. And Ali that night got on, what a plane, an Airbus A380. Right, that's a big plane. She hopped in the plane. She sat down. She was sitting in the plane. And guess what? She was surrounded by fuselage. Right? She's surrounded by this plane. She's in this plane. And guess what got her to Europe? The plane. Because she's in the plane. She didn't do anything. She's just resting and sitting and she's in the plane. And the plane got her from Sydney to Europe. But guess what? Everything else that was in, all the, all the special effects, all the special things that are in planes, she got. Right? Good food. Endless videos. She got toilets, you know, like there's, she was in the plane. So any blessing that's in that plane is hers. And what it means for us to be in Jesus is like that. We are in Jesus. And so who Jesus is is what we have now. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says we share every spiritual blessing in Jesus. He is seated in the heavenly realms. That means that because we're united with him, guess where we're seated right now? 
Have you comprehended that right now you sit in the heavenlies with Jesus? His righteousness, his right standing, his perfectness, his right standing with God the Father. Guess what? Because you're in Jesus, you now have that righteousness. It's not your righteousness, it's his. In his life, you have his life. In his death, you died in him. In his resurrection, you have been raised with him. There's something so wonderful about being united with Jesus. And he says, rejoice about this. Delight in it. Go deeper in it. So my friends, today in 2021, as we go into 2022, are we going to delve ourselves into the good news of Jesus so that we delight more and rejoice more? To know what it means to be united with Jesus. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love you to journey with us to find out more about what it means to be united to the King of Kings. And what you can have in him. Because you notice it's not what we do, it's just resting in him. We're saved, we're united. But yet, isn't it interesting, we need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded to rejoice. Because I think as Christians we forget it. We forget who we are united to. Why does Paul over a hundred times have to talk about being in Christ? Because we forget yet we need to be reminded of it. I think COVID has shown us that as Christians, we can forget to rejoice. We have forgotten who we are united to, who's sitting in his throne over everything. We get so caught up in the media, we get so caught up in our situations that we just forget to delight in Jesus. And when we forget to delight in Jesus, it just, there's this outworking of a life that can lead to anger. It can be a life that, that, that leads to jealousy. It can be a life that leads to complaining, woe is me, as we forget the beautiful truth of the good news of Jesus. And Paul says, hey, rejoice. But did you, did you notice when he says to rejoice? He says always, like, oh man. He says rejoice always in Jesus. But it not only just says it once, how many times does he say it? He says it twice. Rejoice, we've got to get it. He's saying rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Now this is a command. He commands us to rejoice. But as we think about this command, can I just make sure we don't misrepresent what it's saying? So when we read the Bible, often we pull one verse out of context. When we, when we pull a Bible verse out of context, it becomes a con. But in the context, let's remember where chapter 4, verse 4 comes. It comes after three glorious, glorious chapters of the gospel. He's saying who Jesus is. He's not saying, hey, you have to do this so that you become right with God. No, no, he's saying in light of this glorious truth of the good news of Jesus, he says, rejoice. You, you can't do anything else but. What a great New Year's resolution. More rejoicing. And maybe some of us, maybe we're people... Some of us may be people who are grumpy. Maybe we're negative. Maybe we're critical spirit. Go deeper into the gospel. Because we forget who we are in Jesus. That's why Paul prays. He constantly prays in the New Testament that we will go deeper into the good news of Jesus. And if that's you today and you are struggling with that, Refresh yourself anew with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then you have other people who are just hap, hap, happy all the time, don't you? you know, you're just, just always happy, you're always, but you're actually happy about the wrong things. You're happy that your job's turned out well, you're happy that your kids have turned out well, you're happy. You, but but this, this is a rejoicing in, in Jesus despite the suffering and the pain 
It doesn't mean that you're going to have a smile on your face all the time. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be crying. But yet in, the, yet in the midst of your tears and your suffering, there's this sense of delight because you go, I know I'm united in Jesus. It means that we can rejoice in our failures and our stuff-ups, in our mistakes. We can rejoice because we go, man, thank you, God, that I am Jesus in Jesus and you see me as Jesus. More rejoicing. What a resolution. More rejoicing. But let's go number two. More gentleness. More gentleness. Have a look at verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now you might have a translation that says reasonable, gracious, considerate. It's really saying to be selfless. As one commentator says, he says it's not insisting on every letter of the law or custom. Or another one who says, it's the one who cho- whose choice and habit does what is equitable and who does not stand on his rights unduly, but is content to receive a smaller share, although he has the law on his side. It's grace, it's gentleness. A bit more gentleness. But it's, it's not being gentle. It's not just being gentle at home with the kids. As easy as that is. You know, like it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, or it's not just deciding to be you know, gentle here on a Sunday morning when everyone can see you. When, when, when is it to be gentle? It's in... Make it evident to all. It's, it's being gentle at the supermarket. It's being gentle in your car. It's being, it's being gentle in your job. It's, it's gentleness as you go to the hospital to visit someone. It's being gentle. Make, make sure your gentleness is... It's, it's mission. It's evident to all people that you're gentle. It's being gentle in your words and being gentle in your actions. But it's also, it's also probably good to ask what the opposite of gentleness is, isn't it? Here's a couple of things that, you know, here's possibilities of what's the opposite of gentleness. Gossip is the opposite of gentleness. Slander is the opposite. False stories, complaining is the opposite of gentleness. The opposite of gentleness is being agitated. The opposite of gentleness is harsh. But, but as followers of Jesus, as we relish, as we delight in the goodness of Jesus, there's just rejoicing leads to gentleness. It just has to be an overflowing work of it. As you rejoice in Jesus, how can you be agitated? As you read Facebook posts, as you read Twitter accounts, as you read newspaper articles, it reveals a lot about people's hearts, about our words. It's easy to be a keyboard warrior, to be stuck behind a computer screen or your phone and to be harsh in our words, that we wouldn't be like that if we were actually in person with them. It saddens me to see Christians tear people down on social media to be anything but gentle we could all just do with a bit more gentleness being gentle it's a beautiful thing and the gospel just it just it oozes out of us as we understand who we're united to and who we're in when we realize who we're in that we're in Jesus it just it's something that just it just comes more and more naturally to us we can be gentle in so many ways. Right now, we can be gentle in, 
in how we talk with one another about difficult matters. One of the things I think, one of the ways we can be more gentle is, is often when we are in a disagreement with someone else and they've got a different opinion on a certain topic, what do we often do? We'll often downplay it and not understand where they're coming from and misrepresent it in conversations. One of the ways we can be gentle is, is we understand where they're coming from and understand why they believe what they believe and not misrepresenting it, but being honest. Have an honest discussion, but be gentle in it. Be gentle. But it's hard, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's even harder to be gentle when there's suffering and there's trials going on around you. As I said before, we've got to read this in its context because what comes a couple of verses beforehand? Paul, he talks to Eudia and Cynthia and he says, Hey, I plead with you to be the same mind. Here's two women in leadership who are, who are obviously having a disagreement. And he says, Here, rejoice in the Lord. He says, Be gentle. What a beautiful thing for us in discussions to be gentle. Now imagine Baptists are good at this. We're always good at having business meetings. We're good at being gentle on a Sunday, but then when we get to a meeting, it's anything but being gentle. But, but it's, isn't it wonderful when we are gentle and our words ooze Jesus? You know, it makes the colour of chairs and the carpet that you pick trivial as we rejoice in Jesus. Not that colours in the right carpet don't matter, they do matter. But it's being gentle. It's lives out, live out rejoicing in Jesus. And how? Well, do you notice it says the Lord is near? Have a look there again at verse 5. It says the Lord is near. There's two ways you can interpret this. There's two ways that you can take this. The first way is that the Lord is with you. Now, that's theologically correct because in Matthew chapter 28, we are told that Jesus says, I am with you till the end of the age. How good it is to know right now that Jesus is with us. So is Paul talking about that Jesus is with us here? That's one way you can take that to mean that. The other way is, the Lord is near. He's just saying, Jesus is returning. Jesus is going to come back. He's talking about his second coming. So there's two ways you can take it. And I take it the last way. I think what he's talking about is, is Jesus is going to return. The Lord is near. And what is he, why does he raise this? Because he's saying, Jesus is near. He's going to return. And if Jesus is going to return, how's he going to find you? Is Jesus, when he returns, is he going to find you being someone who's rejoicing in him and someone who's gentle, or is he going to find someone who's agitated? So what Paul's doing, he says, you know, remember Jesus is returning. How's he going to find you? It's not going to affect your salvation, but he said, hey, Jesus is coming. How's he going to find you in this moment? How's he going to find you responding? Is he going to find you as someone who is gentleness is evident to all? We're people who ooze Jesus. More gentleness. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful? Imagine uh, the, the world, everyone in the world could just do with a bit more gentleness. Imagine a church community living in this world who rejoices always and is more gentle in 2022. Okay, but here's, here's a third New Year's resolution, the third and final one. More prayer. So we've had more rejoicing and as we rejoice, it just overflows and, and, and our nature and who we are changes because God's changing us and, and we overflow with gentleness. But also it, it leads us to know because Jesus is sitting on his throne, we know the good news of Jesus that through his life, death and resurrection we've been made right and we're united in him and in the midst of a world that's fallen down around us, it's saying, remember though, we can pray to God. More prayer. Have a look at verse 6. Do not, 
be anxious. Do not worry about anything. Like, do you notice it doesn't just say, do not worry. It says, do not worry about anything. Like, oh, worry kills joy. Worry distracts us. Worry robs us of time, energy, and our thoughts. And we live in a culture that feeds that worry, don't we? As you just watch the news, as you read the newspaper on your iPad, or as you watch the news, or as you scroll through Facebook, or even as you scroll through the wonderful pretty photos on Instagram, they're things that make us go, man, if only I had that, or it feeds our worries, it feeds our thoughts. We're in a culture that just is saturated with information. You know, a hundred years ago, we would read books from experts who spent hundreds of hours writing on that topic. But now you can find an expert who's just written on something for 10 minutes on the internet who's an expert on that subject all of a sudden. Who can make us feel worried. Things are just feeding us and feeding us and feeding us. I think Don Carson is very insightful here when he talks about worry. As a culture, we're living in the 21st century. If an earthquake happens today in New Zealand, we're going to know within two minutes. If, 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 if COVID outbreaks in another country, we're going to know within five minutes. If we hear a volcano eruption, we'll know about it within 10. We, we know everything that's going on around the world and it feeds our worries. Whereas 100 years ago, well, let's go back 200 years ago, you probably wouldn't have heard about the, the, the earthquake in New Zealand for about six to 12 months. You may never have heard about the plague that killed a million people in Rome in the first century. You may never have heard about that. If you're living in a small village in a country town in New South Wales, it probably would have taken a week for information from a town that's just a 20-minute drive away to come to you. And yet for all of us sitting here in this room, it's just there within our fingertips within one minute. We're getting fed things that just lead us to worry but prayer, does, prayer is something beautiful. It brings us into the throne room of God where we can pray to him. But I want to ask a question though as well as Christians. So it says rejoice. I want to ask a question. Are you a Christian who feeds people's worries or are you a Christian who feeds rejoicing? There's a difference, isn't there? I think as Christians we can feed worry in other people and what does Paul do? No, no, he, he feeds Jesus into us. Feed rejoicing. Feed who we are. Don't downplay what's going on, but remember that who you're in. Remember that plane? Who are you in? You're in Jesus. Prayer is a beautiful thing. Do not worry. Now, if, if you just left it at that, it's a bit... Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Like that's a does that feel like a burden to you? It's like, do not be worried. Do not, that's, a, that's like a, a worry. It's a burden. But it's not. Because you, you notice what he says. Do not worry about anything, but in prayer and petition, hand it to God. See, he doesn't want, he doesn't, this is another command, but it's not a command to burden you. It's a command to say, hey, hand your worries to God. It's a beautiful picture. For years, I fix cars. I'm a car mechanic by trade. And so for years, we, I was fixed cars. And guess what I was doing every day? People were coming to me. I was a service manager. They'd come to you with what? 
their worries and their concerns. Their car's broken down, it's blown up or whatever it is. They're coming to me as a mechanic and they're going, here's our problem, we're going to hand it to you. You know, it's bizarre, the, the, the different reactions as well. You know, one day I had someone, you know, their ute blew up. It was like going to be 10 grand. It's just, right, my ute's blown up. Can you just fix it? I'll be back in two weeks. I'm going to hand you the keys of my car. Here it is. Then another time, you know, I had a young lady walk in who was in tears and I'm sitting at the counter and this woman's crying and I'm thinking the world's ending and it's like, what am I going to do here? But for her, a car was fine. It was just her remotes didn't work. But, but we do, we worry, all of us have different things that we worry about. We have different things that are concerns of us. And yet, what do you do when you come to a car mechanic? You grab your keys and you hand your keys over to me and you leave it with me. And when we pray, we're leaving it with God. But you know what we sometimes do? I don't know about you, I'll do this. We go, hey God, here's what I'm worried about. Here's the keys to that problem. But then guess what we do? We come back and grab the keys. I didn't see people come back and grab the car keys off me and say, hey, I'll fix the problem. But prayer is something powerful. Prayer is something amazing in which we hand our worries and our concerns over to the Almighty God. And you know what? It doesn't matter what size problem it is. Prayer is learning dependence upon God. It reminds us that God is all-knowing, that he's all-sovereign, that we are in Jesus. Prayer is saying, hand my worries to him, but at the same time we're giving thanks to God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To think about the things we can thank God for. Now one of the things I love to do is we pray with our boys every night. I pray with each one of them individually, and if I forget, they will remind me. And so when we pray with them, I pray with them every night. And I do two things. I ask them, what are you thankful for? And then I ask them, what can you ask God? What are you worried about? What are you concerned about that you ask God for? I love it, right? It's a bit sort of interesting. And, and you say, what are you thankful for today? One will go, I'm thankful for $1 Slurpees from 7-Eleven. Right? They're thankful for it. I'm thankful for ice cream and tea. I'm so thankful we could watch a movie. I'm so thankful I could play soccer today and I scored five goals. You think, wow, they just want to give thanks to God. You think, huh. And then the next one, you, go, you, and you ask them, well, what would you like to pray God? What are you worried about? Oh, could we ask God, I've got a mozzie bite. Oh, what else could we be praying for? Oh, you know, I've got a scratch on my leg. I'm not sleeping real well. Like, now, we look at that. But that's pretty amazing, isn't it? As adults, I don't go to God, hey, I've got a mozzie bite, I'm concerned about it. But it's profound, isn't it? That no matter what it is, we bring it to God in prayer. We bring it to Him and leave it with Him. It's, it's a beautiful insight. It doesn't matter how small the worry is. It doesn't matter how big it is. We can come to God and say, here, God, I am worried about this. Can you take hold of it? It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To, to think, though, that as this week, as you're running late for an appointment and you get to the car park and there's nowhere to park and you're worried that you're going to miss your appointment, we can pray to God and say, hey, God, help me just be calm and gentle in this moment. Or as you stand there at a checkout in Woolies and, and the person at the counter is just painful or you know, doesn't seem to know what they're doing, we can pray to God, God, help me to be gentle in this moment and to love this person as you love them. Or as you're worried this week or next year, as you worry about your kids going into year 12 and you think, I wonder what it's going to look like, we can go, God, here it is. Or even as you sit at 75 and you sit in a doctor's surgery and the doctor says, hey, this is pretty serious, you're going to need treatment, this is pretty big. 
And even in the midst of something as big as that, we can go to God, hey God, I'm freaked out by this. I don't know what's going on, but I need your help. More prayer. I, um, it was, I think it was back in September. It was September or October, and it was just a, you know, I was having trouble sleeping, and I couldn't get to sleep. And I was just like, man, God, I was worried. I was thinking, you know, we're looking for an associate pastor, and no one's coming along. I'm thinking, when's this going to happen? And I remember spending a couple of hours, I just couldn't sleep, so I just prayed about it and prayed about it. Yeah, I went, eventually went to sleep. Now, that's not always going to happen, is it? The next morning, I opened up my emails and bang, here's RJ's name. Now, that's not always going to be the case when we pray, though. I'm not going to promise you that tomorrow, today, if you pray, that your worries are going to be taken. You may never get an answer to your prayer in this life. But there is something about grabbing your situation and handing it over to God and saying, hey, God, you take control. You're bigger than me. And it helps us transcend the situation that we are in. Or if you're here today and you're a high school student and you're just in a situation where it's uncomfortable, you think, man, I shouldn't be in this situation. Say to God, God, help me in this moment to be strong and to stand firm in the gospel. I found this a very profound quote from a pastor who said, worry is not believing God got it right. Worry is not believing God got it right and bitterness is saying God got it wrong. I think, man, that hits me. But as we come to the throne room of God in prayer, that's what we can do. We come to the very throne room of God and say, hey God, I am out of... I'm lost for words. I'm worrying about this. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. It transcends all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind. And you notice it says in Christ. Do you notice that again? Within two verses, in Christ. Remember who you're in. It's going to transcend. There's two things I love about weddings. There's a free feed. And can I tell you, I, I love Toon Gabby because it's such a great culture of food and such good food, eh? But I love a free feed at a wedding. It's great because you don't pay for it. But it's great, it's good feed. But the second thing I love, I love wedding speeches. So I love going for, a, I, I love more than just that, but you know, I love hearing the groom's speech. So a couple of years ago, we were at a wedding for a friend out in the country and we're at their wedding and, and he, um, he talked about how he proposed to his girlfriend. And so he got up early, like 5, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning, got in the ute, went to his girlfriend's house, picked her up, and they drove in the early morning, hundreds of k's, through the tarred roads, through the dirt roads, over creeks, over railway crossings, and comes to this field where there's a hot air balloon. And they hop in the hot air balloon, and he's going to take her up on this hot air balloon on the day that he proposes. Now, this bloke was pretty smart. He knew that she, th well, he knew that she thought, oh, well, once we get him the hot air balloon, he's going to propose to me. So he thought, if she's thinking that, I can't do that then. So he waited till they got down and went to a cafe, and then he proposed. But picture the air balloon. As it takes off the ground, what changes? Your perspective. As they were rising in that hot air balloon, they saw the roads and the creeks and the fences and the railway lines. They started to see how these things came together in a very, very different way. It transcended the situation and they had a new view of it. And as we wrestle with God in prayer, as we come to the throne room God of prayer, he says, my peace will transcend that situation, that we'll get a new view, that God, as we pray with him, 
We're going to start to view who we are in the gospel. We're going to start to view that we are more than just us in God's big cosmic plan of salvation. More prayer. More rejoicing. More gentleness. More prayer. See, Paul's in chains as he writes this letter. It's not an overwater bungalow. But also this passage doesn't promise us as we go into 2022, it's not going to promise us that we're going to have no tragedy. Tragedy could be around the corner. It doesn't promise that next year is going to work out any better. It's not promising that our whole circumstances are going to change. But he says, look to Jesus. Rejoice in that. Delight in who you are. Delight in Jesus. Let that overflow out of our hearts. And as that overflows, we'll be more gentle. And as we worry, there's going to be this overflow. We're going to pray to God. And even though the situation is not going to change, it's going to look different. May we have resolve in 2022 to be a church that rejoices more in Jesus. To be a church that's more gentle and to be a church that loves to pray more. Because Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is there. Sweating, it was like sweat drops of blood, it was like that, it was so big. His sweat, so thick. That he prayed to God, your will be done, not mine. He cried out to God in prayer. But at the same time as he was betrayed and as the Romans came to him and as the one who betrayed him kissed him, as Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts the, sword, the ear off a soldier, what does Jesus do? He is gentle in that moment. He picks that ear up and he puts the ear back on. And yet at the same time, he's continually rejoicing and praising in his Father. How are we going to live in 2022? What's it look like? May we be a church that just delights to have more rejoicing in Jesus, to be more gentle and to love to pray. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in prayer. We come into your throne room because of Jesus. We know that we are in him and what a privilege that is. Lord, I pray for us as a church that over the next 12 months, we will get a bigger picture of what it means to be in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Father, may we grasp that, may we know that so that the circumstances around us don't define define us but we know who we are in Christ so that we will delight and have a sense of delight in the smiles but also may we have a sense of rejoicing as we weep and don't even have words to express how we're feeling father may that just overflow into our lives in our jobs in our careers in the hospitals wherever we may be in our schools may gentleness just be evident to all. And Father, we are worry warts. We forget that you are a good God, a good and gracious King. So help us bring that to you in prayer constantly. Keep our eyes fixed on you. Keep our vision on you. Uplift our eyes out of the mire and the clay and feel like King David who said you came and you lifted us out of that and we saw your salvation. Give us a bigger picture of that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.